The warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching! In this podcast, we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... Toria Bono. I am a year four teacher in a large junior school on the South Coast, and I am the host of the podcast Tiny Boys Talks. And I'm Helen. I'm a teacher currently in a mixed reception year one class, um, teaching in Buckinghamshire. And today we are exploring what science we can teach with a stupendously silly folktale from Russia. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Fish in the Forest. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the magnificent Mario Coelho, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time. There are even some tips there for telling the story yourself and a whole heap of resources to go with the lesson ideas we're about to discuss, as well as extra lesson ideas that we maybe didn't have time to fit into this podcast. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Helen and Toria as we move on to the science of, well, science of turnips, maybe. <laughs> um, and what, what else have we got in this? We, we've got bread, we've got fish, we've got, we've got sausages. I mean, there, there are so many opportunities for science. Who, who wants to, to kick us off with this one? Two little ideas for science um, that I have. The first one is to do with treasure, because... I think when a story involves treasure, you should get every learning opportunity around treasure out that you can. Um, so this is that was the one thing that I didn't mention. I mentioned <laughs> bread and fish, and you got straight for the treasure. I did, didn't I? I will be talking about the bread and the fish later, but you know, straight oh, to okay. the treasure. Um, <laughs> and I thought it would be a good opportunity to explore the idea of metal detectorists. Ah. So hunting for treasure and teaching children about magnets and what they do and starting off with just exploring magnets. You know, if you give a bunch of four and five-year-olds some magnets and a tray or a table full of items, you can get so much discussion out of yeah. it and so much learning without the teacher having to do much, really. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of being there, helping out, but mainly watching the children explore and supporting them to articulate what they're noticing, you know, using those observational mm. skills that are so important in science. And then you, you sort of build on from there to talking about magnets and, and their role and exploring what they attract and what they don't attract. Um, so look at that science bit. And then playing at being um, metal detectorists and seeing what we can find, either just with a magnet, you know, out, outdoors, or if you can get, you can get sort of toy metal detectors. I've never come across one or actually used one, but if you mm. did happen to have such such a wonderful thing, I strongly encourage you to use it. <laughs> God, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've always thought of metal detection as being quite a specialist mm. activity, so I don't know whether there are younger mm. versions, but may, maybe, maybe you can there, make one. Maybe there are not. Maybe that I made that up, which is possible. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe you can make your own and that would be a whole other project, wouldn't it? Because um, yeah. children just love spending time in dirt, finding out what's there. <laughs> and then the other science activity I had is another more an observational sort of open-ended kind of, yeah, just see what happens 
activity. Okay. So the farmer leaves the sausages in some water and the breads in a tree, mm-hmm. the fish on the grass. I thought it'd be interesting to see what happened if you actually did that. Um, <laughs> this is going to become a very disgusting. Oh, yes. Um, so set up a little observation area outside, preferably because then you know <laughs> you can get the loaf of bread in a tree. Um, it'd be just really f- interesting discussions around what's happening each day and the children noticing things. It might be that um, they disappear and then you've got a discussion about... Yeah, where did they go? Did an animal take them? Was it a carnivore? Was, you know, (laughs) which ones did the carnivore take? So you didn't do this just for space of a morning like the farmer does. You'd leave it for longer. I would leave it for longer, I think, Mm. um, until maybe it became a health and safety hazard. (laughs) (laughs) Like just leaving some fish in the grass, potentially, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be interesting to watch if if you did get as far as things decaying and mm. changing changing appearance. Um, I smell. do wish people could see the face of Toria right now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think you'll be trying that one with your seven to eleven year olds, no, Toria. No, not so much. <laughs> no. <laughs> it would be. It could has the potential to be quite disgusting. Or you know, loaf of bread. You're feeding the local wildlife. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Local squirrel. I don't know. Yeah, no, it could be could be very well with the fish as well. Um, you'll you'll have uh, plenty of cats and foxes in your schoolyard. Maybe too many. It may be something that you're only allowed the your senior management team only lets you do once. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you be uh, exploring with your ages seven to eleven, then, Toria? Well, I put it under the question of does bread grow on trees? Hmm. <laughs> and I think... <laughs> well, do you know what? I, I, I've, I've had a look at um, some of your planning notes on this one, Toria, which, which I mm. usually try not to do. But um, I did mm. spot at least one word there, which made me think you were about to deliver something really surprising. Is there actually bread that grows on trees? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Breadfruit. Breadfruit. Breadfruit actually does grow on trees. I did and not I know that, about this. No, and I think that's what's really interesting. So does bread grow on trees? And they're, they're instantly going to say no. no. <laughs> but I think it lends itself really well to a number of different areas across the key stage two science curriculum, such as habitats, plants, and so on. So actually, what does grow on trees? Because I think it's the habitat that allows breadfruit to grow. We wouldn't be able to grow breadfruit in our habitat currently. Hmm. But also the other thing that I found interesting is there is such a thing as chestnut bread. Oh. So I didn't know there was chestnut bread. Me neither. And that huh. is bread made purely from see, I've been very busy planning for you this. Really? I've been very busy. <laughs> I really have. Sort of interesting um, things. So historically, when there was a real issue getting hold of flour, people still wanted bread, but they weren't sure what to do. So they what they did was they created chestnut bread and they basically ground down the chestnuts and they created chestnut bread, which huh. is phenomenal. Um, wow. Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> so I think dep- depending on age and stage within your key stage two, there are various different ways you could go about this. Does bread grow on trees? Hmm. You could do some very silly investigations with actually hanging bread on trees. I don't know. Um, but at the same time, I think it's more about actually getting children to really investigate, mm. you know, what grows on trees and then discovering, in a sense, this breadfruit, because that was what I came about. I came about it and was like, wow, that's really, really interesting. Yeah. That not only bread, but also butter grows on trees as well. Butter? So, and I, 
Yeah, bread and butter trees. Bread and butter trees. So, yes. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, so I just think that often we are very, well, that, no, there's no way that it grows on trees, but actually there's so much mm. more mm. to, you know. And I think it's a really interesting one for children to unpick and learn about. There is one element of science, though, isn't there, where you do have to, uh, well, they're, they're peer reviews, basically, aren't they? Where you go and you mm. review um, the existing scientific research and you collate yes. different people's investigations and you you basically could compile it into your own to try and get the, the general gist of what's going on. Um, so perhaps you could be exploring that. Um, particular scientific skill set? Well, that would be a really interesting one, actually, because I know that one of the difficulties that secondary schools have with primary students starting is literacy that involves specific subjects. Yeah. So in other words, they're so used to seeing literacy that is very, very English-based, yeah. but they're, yeah. they're not used to seeing scientific reports. They're not used to reading scientific reports. They're not used to writing scientific reports. Okay. Disciplinary literacy, that's Ooh, what it's yeah. called. Disciplinary literacy is a really interesting one because when children start secondary school, there's a dip in their learning. And often it comes from the fact that they haven't actually had those disciplinary literacy experiences in primary school and yet are suddenly expected to be able to do Mm. it in secondary. So potentially this could lend itself beautifully to writing a science report on does bread grow on trees? There you go. Yeah. No, I was just going to say my um, my husband happens to be a um, secondary history specialist and he's often sort mm-hmm. of bemoaning the fact that the children come into secondary school with a certain yeah. SATS score for English mm. and their history yes. GCSE is predicted from that score and there's, it just yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> No. no, and it's really interesting because I know the EEF now have, have written a great deal about this, about the fact that disciplinary literacy is something that we really, really need to get a handle on in primary because it is impacting so significantly right. in secondary, as people like your, your husband will attest. Well, I love the fact that this is an absolutely bizarre and crackers story for the <laughs> English literacy side, yeah. but we're getting so much disciplinary literacy out of it. <laughs> Positional <laughs> language and maths yesterday, scientific reports today, perfect. That's all we have time for in this episode, folks, and indeed this week. If you'd like to talk to us about anything you've heard in this podcast, or if there's a subject you're soon to teach that you'd like us to cover, you can find us on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favorite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. We'll be back next week so the farmer and his wife can help us plan lessons in geography, history, art, design and technology. Right now, though, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So... Cheerio! Cheerio. And And we we hope hope to hear hear your story story soon. soon!